0: and welcome to episode 36 of digital digital get down
1: we're live from the red carpet
0: we're not on a red carpet we're on a gray carpet
1: this is an audio podcast we could fool people one of these times (laughs) if you go along with my scheme
0: we do Hmm. have a beautiful roaring fire beside us this week though for ambiance
1: you would do great on Survivor if they gave you <laughs> a lighter, <laughs> random recycling materials and a lighter. Yes.
0: And, and wood and a fireplace and a little rack in the fireplace yep. so that's like supported up. And a
1: poker too. You need the poker. And a
0: poker yeah. and a little fence so I wouldn't hurt myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I'd do Necessities. Really yeah. So do you have any updates for this week? I have a couple updates.
1: Um, we saw Black Panther again.
0: Yes. It was still two.
1: very good the second time.
0: Did you notice the music this time? I literally leaned across and went, hey, listen to the music.
1: No, didn't really. (sighs) Music seems fine, but it never stands out to me. Did you have any... Biggest things that stood out to me. I want to know the backstory and the side story of Eric Killmonger's um, female interest. She starts the movie in the British Museum as a coffee cart girl.
0: She was in on. She was that's not how uh,
1: I wanna know how long did she have to go to like training and to to apply for that job at the museum. That must have been very intricate to get her embedded there. To
0: get a, co- a minimum wage coffee. I don't that's just dedication. That's just
1: dedication to the craft. Like they went to okay. a lot of odd extremes in order to get Get her there just then. She could walk out. I wasn't quite sure what her that value was. That was your biggest
0: take. Oh, there. she
1: had to poison the
0: chick. Yes, the coffee
1: cart. Got it. Okay, so she does the poison. I don't think she's dead is my other theory. I think she becomes another Marvel, Marvel superhero.
0: They have enough Coffee already. girl. They have enough.
1: Venomous coffee girl.
0: Venom. I did not know that that was going to be a movie. Um, You had something else that you were telling me about yesterday that you thought was a plot hole and I disagreed.
1: About... Um, Killmonger's whole arc yeah yeah it's just again similar to the coffee it? girl it seems like they they do an awful lot of planning I give them credit for it but it just seems a little bit of excessive planning no
0: this is what you're the timing the years that was your oh the
1: years yes yeah, so the flashback at the beginning of the movie is 1992
0: which is now 26 where, years ago
1: right where Eric is playing basketball behind the apartment building and he's building.
0: at least 7 yeah or 8
1: so yeah so that that's what's the math remind me 36
0: 26 years ago
1: yeah plus 8 is 34 so he's in his
0: mid 30s which it made it seem like he was meant to be younger maybe he is maybe T'Challa yeah. and him are in their 30s because that makes sense if no. they're like rulers of a country but it's not
1: unreasonable my biggest concern was about Claw that he was out there for that long and if he did the first he's, like in
0: his 50s terrorism thing when he
1: was in his mid 20s yeah he was really up there in age good for him Gollum yeah he comes <laughs> strong he had a good career <laughs> You know? Good career for Claw.
0: Okay. Um, The other update has to do with ice skating. Cue the groans. I from thought we audience. needed to
1: give people a week off. I don't know what happened. Are we
0: going to go see Stars on Ice when it comes to St. Paul?
1: Uh, I think those things are always terrible. I
0: kind of want to see them, though.
1: Oh, boy. Because it'll
0: be all the people that we actually cared about this year.
1: Yeah, I guess the that's face what, you're making. Is I guess super that's skeptical. what people without kids. Go to instead of Disney Show on Ice.
0: Well, I don't think it's socially acceptable for us to go to Disney on Ice.
1: We'll see. We'll check out. We'll do our uh, our Super Bowl plan and we'll try to get <laughs> last minute tickets.
0: <laughs> you think the StubHub demand is gonna be really yeah. high for stars on ice? Yeah. It's not till May, so okay. Have some time to sort out our strategy. Hmm. Um, do you want to jump into the news this?
1: Yeah, I have more good news than bad news. I don't really Me have too. any real bad news. Me too. My only minor bad news is Wait, about
0: the good news
1: and bad news, but we're doing bad news first. Go, um, Jeff Franklin, the Full House, Fuller House guy, got asked to like leave the show entirely.
0: Like the showrunner, producer. Yeah, well, member. like his,
1: his is the name that comes up after the Golden Gate Bridge sequence. Yeah. Sure. So he's not like Kevin Spacey, uh, Weinstein level but in just trouble. Like
0: minor assault.
1: Yeah, which I didn't know if that was good news or bad news, that, that, that not everyone is... That his assault is, uh... could have been worse? Yeah, I just said that he was like a creep around the set, and he would bring his random girlfriends to the set and make them have walk-on roles, and he made everyone feel uncomfortable. So...
0: So that's your bad news?
1: Yeah, I I think Fuller House will be okay. I just hope it doesn't happen to the, the Boy Meets World guy, because we've been... <gasps> But now they don't even have Girl, Girl Meets World, so he has nothing to run. He has no show yeah, to run. Yeah, so it wouldn't even hmm. be
0: a news story. Maybe.
1: Anyways, do you have any bad news? Any drama um, going on? My
0: bad news, which I know you were looking at this headline earlier, is that the live action Mulan was pushed. Yeah. So it's not until 2020 Wow, now. are
1: they going to put in some songs? Is that what the delay is?
0: I wish, but I doubt it. But yeah, it's just bad news after bad news with that one. It's like there's no songs. What, and... what are they
1: attributing the delay to?
0: I think just to Marvel movies, probably Black Panther success. They've pushed it.
1: Huh.
0: And they, they came out with a list of like a bunch of new Marvel movies, but it wasn't actually a list. It was just date release dates. So they won't tell you which one is which. Yeah. Which is annoying. Hmm. And there's just too many. Um, my other bad news, I was going to save this for later, but my other bad hmm. news is hurricane heist. Yeah. That was quite a trailer. Wow, my face during that. I was just confused. So yeah,
1: trailers interest me before movies. Like i I find it interesting how they change. Like, when you see the same movie, it's not always the same run of trailers. So clearly the studios send out new stuff in between.
0: We went to a vastly different time.
1: You think it's time-based? We went to
0: a 9.30 p.m. one.
1: I I don't think it's time-based. You don't think
0: so? Why wouldn't it be? They don't show the same things on TV that they do at noon that they do at 10 o'clock at night.
1: This is, we have to add this to our list of pop culture questions, like how do, how radio, do radio singles <laughs> get picked? Can you
0: just pick a song from an old album of Heather a singer? Heather just wants put it, on the radio? it to be like
1: a jukebox situation where she can call in and ask for no, a B-side. No, I, I would never
0: call in. I just don't understand. Yeah. Like, what's the etiquette? What's, what's So
1: the anyways, Hurricane Heist, give us your 60-second your recap of that trailer. And if you
0: haven't watched it yet or heard anything about it, like, I hesitate seems- to give them the clicks, but... Yeah. look up the trailer because it was just like the fakest storm i've ever seen yeah attached to some sort of heist attached to like a female action hero attached to someone from texas
1: yeah i mean it seemed like halfway between sharknado and a funny or die sketch yeah Hmm.
0: i just didn't make any sense to me i was just perplexed (sighs) um do you want to go into good news
1: yes I have one good funny news, which okay. is also a little bit bad news that I'm laughing about it. Okay. So, Apple, you know the company Apple? I,
0: yeah, I've heard of them.
1: Um, they opened their new spaceship campus a while ago. Stop. That was Steve Jobs' dying wish was to build this campus. In uh, Which space. is shaped, no, it's shaped like a spaceship oh, on Earth. Oh, I thought
0: you meant it was like the car no. thing. I thought it was like Elon Musk, the car in No, space no, no, no.
1: This is on land. It just looks like a spaceship. So, it is so pristine and so over-designed, desi- like many of Apple's things, yeah. that actually the glass in the building is so clear and so invisible that People employees of Apple are running are walking into <gasps> it, and they have so far had three 911 calls.
0: Over oh, walking into the glass.
1: Now, part of it is because, obviously, any big corporation like Apple is going to take any sort of on-premise... Uh, injury very seriously. Sure. So they probably you know, I don't think these people were actually be workman's in peril. comp
0: claims from the glass.
1: But yeah, we'll link to the uh, the San Francisco San Francisco Chronicle had some of the transcripts and the last one was the best because they put the guy who walked into the the door um, on the phone and the dispatcher goes, So to clarify, sir, you walked through a glass door and he goes, No, I walked into a glass door.
0: I thought you were going to say they had the footage. I want the security oh, to the footage. Oh, that would be good too. When will that get leaked?
1: Wow. So now my other good That's news. That's your good news. My <laughs> other good news is that you never you never let us stick around for fantasy baseball hour. So I'm going to do a fantasy baseball minute. Okay.
0: I'll because allow it. I've
1: been kind of sour on fantasy baseball the last like decade or so. Don't tell Andy. But this year I'm a little bit intrigued.
0: Okay. Because
1: of one guy.
0: Because of fantasy Sh- movie uh, app.
1: No, yeah, the other thing they were pushing before the movie was a fantasy movie league where you guess um, the top
0: box office box performers office polls, each weekend. which is
1: which is sad if if that's what you do. Um, Shohei Otani is the latest. Is
0: he Japanese?
1: Japanese import, and he is known as the Babe Ruth of Japanese baseball. So he's going to be the first active pitcher hitter. <gasps>
0: Cool. You know, that's my dream.
1: Right. And now, at first, when he was picking teams, it was like, obviously, you would go to a National League team where right. you have to hit. But he ended up with the Angels, which okay. seems counterintuitive, but they're actually going to play it somewhat safe. So he is going to pitch every fifth day, and he will become a DH on occasional other days. Oh,
0: so he won't be pitching anything the same day. No. Interesting.
1: And... I have a scheme. Can you do that? This is on the download, don't tell anybody. Okay. But I'm gonna to attempt to get him in fantasy, because he's technically a rookie in fantasy. Yeah so our can league has keepers. So in ESPN leagues, which is what I'm in, in most of them, he will show up as one player if you draft him on any given day you can start him as either a pitcher or a hitter. You can't have him Amazing. do both, which is fine. The bizarre part of the story is that Yahoo has decided they call it the the two Otani rule. Okay. His name will show up twice in your draft, once as a pitcher and once as a hitter. So one so team. So you
0: can't game the system.
1: Yeah, you can't get the advantage, but that's just dumb. So yeah. one, so the same guy will be on two teams and could be playing himself.
0: But one of them will be pitcher only. Yeah, Showitani, it and just one ruins
1: the be... whole fun of it. Yeah. So I'm mildly intrigued about fantasy baseball. Only if I get him. If I don't get him, then I'll totally... I don't care about
0: him. fantasy. I'm mildly intrigued to watch that. Yeah, people are ups saying ups? he's going to be... Oh, Can we go to a game where he plays the Twins? Sure.
1: People are a little bit skeptical, I think mostly because of Daisuke Matsuzaka,
0: yeah, where he had the gyro Daisuke. ball
1: that was going to revolutionize baseball, and he had a couple of okay years, and that was it. Um, and so some people think this guy's numbers, especially hitting, are a little bit inflated, and he won't be as good of a major league hitter. But still, I just will think will be awesome if he's not batting ninth. If you have a a a,
0: a pitcher that you're yeah. choosing to put in as a batter,
1: yeah. So,
0: well, I wonder if they'll do it like just for the uh, publicity of it. Yeah. And then I mean, maybe he won't. Los, do Los Angeles
1: thing, doesn't really need another sports story, which is a little bit dumb that he ended up there. But obviously, they had the money for it. So,
0: yeah. Cool. That used to be my dream when I was younger. I'd always get frustrated when yeah. I was pinch hit four so that I could like rest. Right. And now when I, now that I'm older, yeah. uh I don't always have the energy to pitch and hit in a <laughs> game. So I I appreciate it now, but when I was sixteen I was like, How dare you take me out? I'm a good hitter. <laughs> Anyways. Alright,
1: what do you have for good news?
0: Um stop cheating. Oh, I you don't know? want to okay. look at the notes. Sorry. Um I have one kind of Silly one, mm-hmm. one really serious one, and one fun one. So, okay. one that has to do with Black Panther is that this is kind of um, this is not like a proven statistic. It's a little bit um, what do you call it?
1: You're making it up.
0: No, 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 no. It's um,
1: an old wives' word star. of mouth okay. kind of thing. Sure.
0: Um, that there that a lot more Black Panther uh, black <laughs> panthers have been adopted. <laughs> Albino panthers. No, a lot more black cats have been adopted because yes. of Black Panther. I saw
1: the tweets you retweeted about this.
0: So I don't know if there's any actual stats on it, but people always say that black cats are less likely to be adopted because really? people think they're unlucky or something. Oh,
1: I'd want a uh, a Salem the cat from Sabrina. Sabrina I, know
0: what, I know what you're referencing.
1: But right, the um, joke in the Twitter thread was that the shelters are concerned because people are calling them Killmonger.
0: Oh, I didn't see that <laughs> joke. I just saw a lot of people naming them T'Challa and Shuri. Yeah. And Nakia and Okoye. Can you set me up for that
1: pun joke that I have now? Which one? Ask me what they call the, the challenge where to talk where he gets.
0: The show. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any thoughts about what happened with T'Challa and Killmonger?
1: Well, I just you know I just thought that whenever they have that that um <laughs> that event ritual. At, that ritual at the waterfall, they should probably call it the. challenge
0: (laughs) but um, (laughs) oh man um my other good news is Mm. that brooklyn 99 is coming back yeah people were like
1: concerned that like it was a question mark
0: well they're coming back it's on a sunday which is kind of the death spot a little bit
1: yeah i think it officially killed off ghosted is what they said
0: oh okay which that lost steam some steam for me anyways is that the same person
1: yeah, the girl that I like and ghosted is the Twenty Two Jump Street. Is the girl in Jump Street. Yeah.
0: Just made that connection now. Yep. Um, so did you see who's gonna be on Brooklyn Nine Nine and for what? Um
1: I did. It said so and so will have a spot on Brooklyn Nine Nine. As what? I forget. Um As a villain?
0: No, Rosa's love interest, Gina Rodriguez. Oh. oh, yes,
1: that's who it was. Gina Rodriguez I is knew, going to be on there. I knew you would, you would hear about
0: supposedly this. Supposedly, as, allegedly, as Rosa Diaz's Got it. female love interest. Okay. So. That that, be that'd be all. a recurring
1: role. It's not a little cameo then. Yeah. Potentially.
0: For a few episodes at least.
1: She was dating Rafi f- formerly.
0: Yes, but then I remember that she a was dating someone else up. and being cagey about it, and then yeah, she yeah. told them that it was a girl, and that's why she didn't want to tell them because she hadn't told yes. that she was bi yet.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking about Rafi.
0: Oh yeah, I think he's gone.
1: Okay, wind chimes for a Dick.
0: <laughs> that was a different show. Okay. Well, actually, unconfirmed. <laughs> Could be a crossover. Um,
1: the sure universe.
0: My last good news is like a serious one. Okay. Um, the Dick Sporting Goods thing. Yep. About how they're no longer going to be selling um, semi-automatic machine guns Mm -hmm. and that they're upping their age to buy any firearms to be 21 and then walmart followed suit with the age restrictions as did like kroger's which is like a grocery store so i don't know why they sell
1: i think it's more of like kind of a walmart
0: okay yeah anyway so i just thought that was really positive because Mm -hmm. it's been very disheartening to watch the Florida legislation, vote down any sort of ban on different types of semi-automatic weapons, and then vote to have 70, uh, $67 million to arm teachers and train them. Yeah. And it's like, as someone who has a teacher, had a teacher in their family. Oh, good Lord. It's <laughs> That's not what I meant. I wasn't <laughs> saying don't give your father guns, but... <laughs> I was just saying, like, there, there's never enough money for education, supposedly, and then all of a sudden you have almost $70 million to give teachers guns when you can't give them, like, new textbooks and, like, pencils.
1: Yeah, just on the teacher bit, um, I mean, part of the issue, as we know, is that um, mentally ill people have access to these guns. Um,
0: I, okay. What? I'll let you continue your thought. But mentally women don't shoot up schools.
1: True, true, true.
0: So there's there's a ho- whole sorry, you continue with that. My point
1: up. is just yeah, I would never whole you know, give a whole group of any type of people guns for their use. Yeah. You know, I understand police are the exception to that rule, that if you pass all... Because it's their
0: job. Correct.
1: I'm just saying that...
0: And there's been so many issues with police shooting people as it is. If the people who's literally, it's their job to have a gun to protect people, and they can't even do it responsibly, how are you going to try and do it for teachers? Right. And I
1: don't want to say anything too alarmist, but, I mean, teachers are underpaid, and lots of ones that I know are often... um, Under a lot
0: of stress. Under
1: a lot of stress and anger. So yeah, I would not give that type of group people and it, access to guns. It
0: comes like around the same time that they're talking about that, that teacher that was a white supremacist. Yeah. Like, so who are you arming? That's what I I'm mean, saying.
1: Unless you're going to vet teachers as you do for government and, and police roles, but that's just absurd. There's
0: not enough teachers as it is. This yeah. is just going to dissuade people from, make people quit or dissuade them from becoming a teacher. Sure. Um, and they're I, also
1: like the most liberal like profession of all time as well.
0: Depending where you are.
1: Yeah. But.
0: Um, no, I was just going to say, I think it's, I think it's a little bit unfair when people say it's mentally ill people doing it because no, other countries have mentally ill people and a lot of women are mentally ill and the majority of the recent shooters have been ma- white males. Yes. I guess my, it's, my, it's a, it's a a
1: how you, which order you do, which order you say it in. Like I, mm, not no. every, not every mentally ill person is on the verge of becoming a shooter but, from my perspective, most shooters clearly have something wrong with their brain if they're doing this to a large group of people,
0: but most shooters are white men who don't have an outlet don't yeah, maybe don't feel like they have an outlet to express those feelings except with with violence, and yeah. that's the larger problem I think is the we agree toxic masculinity, yeah, the idea that they can't ask for help, they can't go to therapy, they can't right. be vulnerable, they can't have emotions like. And I think that's the America of it all. It's not just the easy access to guns, but this toxic, fragile masculinity that we have here.
1: You should have a blog.
0: Yeah. Mm. But I mean, in other countries, not not that no other country has that issue, but mm. I was just... Someone I follow on Instagram is um, Latino, and he was in India traveling, mm. and... I just was really struck by, like, he was just, like, embracing other men of his age, like, very naturally. Like, just mm-hmm. giving them a hug. A very friendly hug. Yeah. And I feel like in the U.S., that doesn't happen.
1: I talked about Michael B. Jordan with you a lot last night.
0: Which in a, in an happened. affectionate
1: way. I'm just saying, I'm not afraid to show masculine love for other men.
0: Are you doing not all men right now? Hmm. Huh? You're not all menning this discussion. Is that a thing? Yes. Yeah, how, when you say, like, some, like men do this and yeah. you say i don't do that though yeah you shouldn't be taking it personally if i'm not talking to you
1: i'm not taking it personally i'm just trying you are, to you're
0: defending yourself
1: i'm just trying to preempt anything by defending myself
0: but what you're saying is is what you're saying isn't true because that's not true about me you're not all men it uh, you're all lives mattering it
1: wow okay i'm gonna step
0: back now <laughs> you're actually cowering <laughs> away from me on the couch <laughs> I'm just saying that there's this culture of men having to be tough all the time, not being able to express their emotions. And I think that's, going back to the Olympics again, I think that's why it was really poignant for Adam Rippon and Gus Kenworthy to have this moment of being out and gay and still being Olympians. Mm -hmm. Because sports especially has a very toxic masculinity to it, where you have to be this really tough jock dude
1: Okay, so back to me. So, w- am I not allowed to say yes? I agree with you that those are all true in current society, but I'm trying to not
0: buy into that. And no, so that's I was just giving thing an to example say. of that's the correct thing how to
1: say. I'm not letting that.
0: Yeah, but that when but when you say me. but I don't do that. Your no, first response I is to defend No, I didn't mean yourself. it as
1: that tone. No.
0: So I'm just saying that tone. the the way to phrase it or or tone it is to say. I acknowledge that, and uh-huh. I'm working to make sure I don't do that. But I know that that is a problem.
1: Ready? Okay, I think we should jump at the handmade- <laughs> I think we should jump at the Handmaid's Tale because I'm sure no no sort of issue like that will come up oh, as yeah? we discuss this. All
0: right, so uh, we are doing a Handmaid's Tale double feature.
1: Yeah,
0: um, we're going to talk a little bit about the book, The Handmaid's Tale, yeah. by Margaret Atwood, and then talk about the TV adaptation Hulu. on Hulu that we just mm-hmm. finished. Um, so do we do the children love the, ch- do Mary. you have to do it in the accent? Mara, the children love the books. <laughs> okay. They love them. Um, my first note is, mm. I was loaded. Yes, Mark
1: <laughs> Beneford not- making a uh, resurgence onto major television Flash from Flash Forward. Forward.
0: He's, he's like, uh, hidden away in shame long enough that yeah. he's...
1: Kind of a similar role, I guess. Dark, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, brooding. I'm a man. Yeah.
0: Um. So, do you want to talk about the book first? You just reread the uh, book. I
1: think I. I think I'm best to talk about them together.
0: Okay. But can I give a summary first, or do you want to go?
1: Sure, you can give a summary. I would keep it quick. I think most people. I think it's in the the lexicon now.
0: The, the zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. Go ahead though. Um. So, Handmaid's Tale is about a. Dystopian near future, mm-hmm. where uh, there has been a fertility crisis in the U.S. and there was, uh, because of that or coinciding with that, mm. was
1: we'll get back to that.
0: Yeah, along with that was a coup of the U.S. government by a radical religious group.
1: Yes, who That's has the best way to describe them?
0: Taken over, and what they have done is they forced every fertile woman who wasn't married to someone in, as part of this group to be basically their, uh, childbearers, their, yep. their, their forced surrogacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book is from the point of view of one of these surrogates called handmaidens. Um, and about her struggles within that role. Yeah. And also remembering her past life and kind of, reflecting on how they got to this place in society and if what or if there is any way to move forward from it.
1: Right. So one thing to point out out off the top is that it comes up in the book, not the show, I think, but um, the people in charge, I think it's the aunts in the case, in this case, um, they talk about Offred and these handmaids being part of the transitional generation. So one of my biggest complaints with what Margaret Atwood does is that she's specific in areas that I don't care about and so unspecific and undetailed in other areas. So she never really describes what the end game of this group is, but they keep emphasizing in the book that this is a transitional generation but that's the point. and I know, but I I don't buy my overall thesis on the book is that she doesn't know exactly what's happening or what happened or what's going to happen.
0: I think I need like a record button for me saying, but that's the point because this is always (sighs) our argument is I, I am willing to put up with like a limited perspective or limited information if I feel that it makes sense in the guise of the story and you are not.
1: I, I see where you're coming from, but in the case of she wouldn't, the book in the show, I don't buy all of the links based she on... She wouldn't
0: know where they're going with it. The, the whole point is that it's from the perspective of one of the oppressed. She does not know the end game. Yeah, that's the part... So you have part, a limited narr- unlimited, um, omnipotence. What's, what am I trying to say? Yeah,
1: point of view, perspective. A
0: limited knowledge of things because of the narrator.
1: That part I buy. It's the more looking back that I need more of the sketches filled out in order for me to really get invested in it. Do you know why? Why what? i'm a male
0: because you're a man and you can't imagine how our government now yeah. could ease i can i can literally this podcast could just be me laying out free the steps from current day to get to gilead and i could mm. fill it in with my imagination because it's like my worst fears of what's going to happen with our current government and i could so easily
1: i knew this is how this segment was gonna go of
0: how it's gonna go okay they give you the narrative that's why it's scary
1: So, can I tell you which parts I I buy in completely? (sighs) Sure. I completely buy in that a group could, or perhaps already has, emerged with this type of um, thinking and approach to human existence. Yes,
0: look at our vice president.
1: I I buy into the fact that there could be such evil in the world that they would enslave fertile women.
0: Commander Pence.
1: Okay, there you go. (sighs) I, the thing that I struggle with most in the book and the TV show is I don't get the leadership in charge of Gilead what what are they trying to get at? I don't believe that they actually care about the fertility crisis because like you and I said multiple times during the show
0: Orges. they
1: don't do they have they only have the ceremony, the sex ceremony once a month. They go to doctors with professional modern tools but they don't believe in art- artificial insemination or any other fertility treatment. But they don't actually seem very religious either. That seems like mostly a sham. So what is...
0: Yes! That is exactly what our current government is.
1: So it's just about power and control. And
0: facade.
1: But what what do they get out of it? Like Commander, the commander... What they especially. get out of it
0: is being able to hide behind the religious curtain. And so for other countries and for within their organizations, saying we're doing this because it's God's purpose instead of we're doing this because white men want to be in control again.
1: So I get that, but... Their day-to-day existence, even for the upper class in this civilization, is awful. They have nothing to do. They have no internet, Except no television. Except for the white no... men. But even they, they... have
0: books. They can go to that sketchy club. But
1: all the things that they actually enjoy are all still illegal in their world. Yes,
0: exactly. You're so close to the point. Yeah, that so is the they point. create a
1: world that they think they want and they will like, and then they end up breaking all the rules because they're just as corrupt and they just refuse yes, to admit Yes, but who
0: it. is allowed to break the rules? Yeah, Only yeah. the white men. Yeah.
1: And so occasionally they, and they these, get an arm cut they off.
0: They set up these rules, and then they are allowed to break them and, and not get punished or rarely get yeah. punished. And everyone else who breaks them gets mutilated or killed.
1: Yes. Or enslaved. So I think, I think I'm on the same page as you. It just... I just... It's hard to believe that people would go to it such lengths to create a civilization and a society that they... They think they're running so smoothly when really they don't want anything that they're doing. They don't want more You are kids. describing
0: our current government. Yeah. You're describing our current government.
1: Yeah. So yeah. that, I do appreciate the genius of it in that way. But, especially reading the book, and I admit I, this was my second read through of the book, so I went a little bit faster because I was watching the show at the same time, so I just wanted to kind of pick out certain bits. Mm-hmm. The whole style of the book, I hate to be honest. I uh, love it. The way the flashbacks are done—mid paragraph, multiple flashbacks within a chapter—it's stream of
0: consciousness. That's how you really think. That's how you go about your day.
1: Uh, to a certain degree, I agree. But when I—if you're doing true stream of conscious, you don't stop thinking present tense and think for ten minutes past tense and come back.
0: I do. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's how people's brains work. You're in the current moment and it reminds you of something and you go back into a memory and then you come back into the present moments.
1: So anyways, there's a couple of really bad um, flashback info dumps. Most, most of the stuff about Moira, who I really, really liked and got invested in the Moira character in the show. In the book, she's just a backstory info dump every time she comes up.
0: Disagree. I liked her better in the book than in the TV show. Wow. Aside from Samira Wiley, who is one yeah, of my I'm crushes. Devastated. One of my crushes. Um,
1: I hope the second season focuses yeah a lot of her.
0: Well it seems like it the way yeah. uh something's happened in the show, we'll get to that in a little right. bit. Um, can I jump back a little one second? Sure. So my only um kind of confusion or plot hole or misunderstanding not understanding of yeah. Gilead is the geographic scope of it.
1: I have thoughts on this as well. Um,
0: because in the book, I didn't find that to be that big of a question that I was worried about mm-hmm. was like the scope of it. Um, because it is such a microcosm in the book and I I bought into that and I yep. thought that was fine. I didn't really have questions about the larger nature of it as a country because I was like, that's not that's not the point. The, yes. the, for me, the point of the book is it's an individual's journey through this horrid regime yep. and you get little flashes of how it happens and flashes of the bigger picture, but it's mostly her surviving day to day. And I really liked the flashback style. I think at the beginning it's a little bit um, jarring sometimes mm-hmm. or confusing, but that's the point. Um, how many times sh- should I say, but that's the point. <laughs> um, so so you're playing
1: bingo at home. I Um, um So you're exactly right about the... The geography of it in the yeah. book, it sort of works because you know it's sort of New Englandy. Boston is only mentioned, I think, once. Yeah, and then or you twice. don't under,
0: you don't know if it's expanded through the rest of the country right. or not, and you don't really need to know in the book.
1: Yes, yeah, so the show decided to get very, very specific. Like, apparently, in the scene in Canada, where you see like the the new makeshift U.S. government, like they have a new flag with like thirteen stars on it to indicate that they only have that many well, states left. Government. No, that was like the new...
0: It was? That where, guy with Moira? Yeah,
1: no, that was the Canadian government oh. where Luke goes to, for his meeting, is the American embassy in Canada. I missed Canada. that.
0: I missed yeah. that.
1: No, there's an American flag he's walking through the hallway of all the pictures and stuff.
0: I thought that was just like the American unit of the Canadian embassy. No,
1: I took that to they were trying to spin oh. up the government again.
0: Okay, I missed that.
1: Anyway, so yes, there's talk about the colonies, which is always brought up as just kind of like where there's toxic waste dump, which no one really explains. People are cleaning it up anyways. Um, But yeah, the part that I really struggle with is that they brush through how, yes, this cult or faction, whatever you want to call them, they massacred all of Congress. And I think they mentioned the White House and the Supreme Court as well in a, a planned coup. Yeah. But for me, what I kept coming back to is that yes, that is the central power of government for the U.S. But and yes, maybe the country would go into martial law after that. But the U.S. Gov- the U.S. Army specifically is spread out all across the world in every single continent
0: and like states rights to some extent there are still state governments and, and
1: Hawaii and Alaska they're not just going to pick up the phone and be like oh we don't have a government anymore we're taking over okay we'll shut down and Hawaii give everyone white, red Hawaii clothes Hawaii would be
0: like thank you baby Jesus and then yeah. go back to being a sovereign yes. state and what and happened not-
1: to Puerto Rico in this world are they kind of like eh we're out now I know we were trying to get yeah. in for a while but we're good we our minds. we'll hang out with Mexico we've got some other buyers yeah yeah so, yeah, there's that issue, which, yeah, I guess I would and have I, preferred that she didn't try to confront it at all.
0: I was going to say, the show tried to expand on the book because the book is a very limited perspective, and that gets old. The yeah. first couple episodes are like kind of the middle episodes when it was mostly just her and her day to day. I was getting a little bit bored. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit slow, same, those ones. Like, camera filter mm-hmm. on everything. It's the same type of shots they use over and over, it's the yeah. same tone of voice. It's the like, it, and that's the point. Yeah. Once again,
1: that's the point. Is that
0: her days are pretty similar, but uh, yeah, it gets a little bit boring to watch. So I understand why they expanded on it, but they yeah. were successful with expanding on, in my opinion, Luke and Moira's stories, yep. and even the Alexis Bladell character to some extent. Mm-hmm. Not so successful when they tried to expand into the government and the politics of it, Especially which was Nick's not flashback. fleshed out enough, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: and so the other thing that I kept complaining about is that. Yes, I believe that this faction could be giant and growing and you could have a lot of people all doing this coordinated effort. I even buy that yes they could storm, you know, places in Washington D.C. and infiltrate them. But do not tell me they have enough henchmen to to control the entire US-Canada border. Now, yes, they could they could guard checkpoints and things, but I just never bought that they had enough henchmen who just are happy to go along with whatever their superiors tell them for the rest of their lives to really maintain that kind of control.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seemed like they were kind of using people on purpose that they were like conning or blackmailing to some yeah. extent. But yeah, do they have thousands of people? It takes a lot people? of time
1: to recruit. And
0: like they were individually recruited. How long in advance were they recruiting them?
1: So my two recommendations for how I would have done it if I was Miss Margaret Atwood or the Showrunner. the showrunners. Number one, I would have, these are uh, fire fireplace sounds in the background.
0: Yes, we're not torturing someone.
1: Um, Number one, I would have posed it as a cult, you know, religious faction takeover of a state or a area. Where they could actually create a bubble in New England
0: or East Coast or no, what's it called? Um like the ten Atlantic ten or Yeah. What's the
1: like the the Eastern Seaboard?
0: Eastern seaboard.
1: Yeah. So that's one thing I would have done. I would have actually defined a true border. Um, the other recommendation that I have, you might complain about this. I'm not
0: sure. Okay. Can I make one comment first? Yeah. You never read the legend books, no. but they are books about a dystopian U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, well, I didn't like those books very much because I didn't really like the main characters and their relationship and kind of the cliche way that they went about dealing with each other. The politics side of it was really interesting. Because they did have a very clear definition of, like, where the border was. I think it was the Mississippi River, if I mm-hmm. remember. And it was, like, corporate states. So, like, different corporations had taken over different states. And yep. some of them were free and some of them weren't. Um, and that book did a very good job of having that in the background, but still making a lot of sense and being really well-defined.
1: Interesting that you bring that up. Because that kind of links into what I what I was going to mention. Which is that the example I'll use, oddly enough, is The Hunger Games. Okay. Now, The Hunger Games is on planet Earth and is America, Yes, I think. Yes. Now, it's so far into the future that clearly the entire civilization has changed. But I very quickly, in The Hunger Games, you get invested in this bizarre society that they've built. And, and the and the odd, terrible things that happen in it.
0: And there's enough clues to be, like, okay, this, like, so uh, Katniss is supposed to be meant to be from, like, Appalachia. Yeah. Because it's mining. And then you have, like, if you break it down, sure. it makes sense. Like, I believe the capital is meant to be in Colorado or somewhere up in the mm-hmm. Rockies. And then they have, like, the, like, coastal states, like, where Finnick is from. They have, yep. like, the forestry states, like, where Rue right. is from. They have the farming states. And, like it makes sense
1: yes and there are a few you know references to the the war or whatever they talk about about how this new structure for the government and for the country came about but never in any of the hunger games movies do i sit there going you know i don't buy that that american life or humankind got to this point yeah and so that's again where i come back to what i mentioned before about handmaid's tale which is that this is the transitional generation and Atwood does that because she needs Offred to show both her past life in quote-unquote ordinary modern America and this new bizarro life that she is being tortured in. And, you know, no one like Katniss ever has to deal with that because they didn't know what life was like in the 90s. Yeah. And it just works a little bit more as a narrative for me in those because you're just jumping right in and you're like, okay... None of this makes sense to world me, building, but like, yeah, I will. I will believe in this new world. And here, Atwood had to build up the '80s scene, or whatever her flashback was. She had yeah. to build up everything between that and to where the present day is. And I just think it's too much to do in a 300-page so, book.
0: I think. See, I disagree a little. I agree with you a little bit. I disagree a little bit. I think that it works as a narrative choice for um, for the main character. And for the readers, at least the female readers, um, because I think it is a really scary time. And I think that is the scariest generation. That's often like the lost generation in stories like The Hunger Games where, like, how did those first people react? So it's an interesting question. I think it really works in terms of a character study. I don't think it works as well for the world building because... There's like one foot on each in each side of it. Right. So in terms of like the fear that it made me feel as a reader of of being able to see that could be me, like it, it's supposed to be a little bit of a self insert. Yes. Of and being, so if you have that
1: connection to you know normal America, then it makes it a little bit more real.
0: Correct. So yeah. it makes it scarier, makes it more real, makes it more um, visceral to read about it, and it also makes for a really really interesting character study because they've started to kind of. Adjust a little bit Stockholm me to like their current situation, but they yeah. have still have memories of what it was like before. Sure. So I think that's really interesting as a character study. It was not; it did not work very well when they tried to expand it in the TV show because it was too rough around the edges of what yeah. was the point.
1: And yeah, I don't Especially think they when really they needed in the to
0: children and the banquet and the other countries. Yeah,
1: and, yeah, the Mexico thing was and a and misstep.
0: Talking about, well, I wouldn't say it was a misstep because it was interesting that it was a Mexican fertility crisis as well. It wasn't just the U.S. It was, to some extent, national or at least uh, international. Or at least um, intercontinental. Sure. Intracontinental? Yeah. Anyways, um, but, what was I going to say? Well... Oh, when they started mm -hmm. talking about when she got all the letters from the different um, handmaids all across the country Mm -hmm. and gave it... That was like meant to be a powerful thing and it just opened up more questions for me of, okay, if there's that many of them, how are they in control? And is her commander in control of the whole country? Is he in control of just Massachusetts? Is he in control of New England? Is he in control... Like Right, there's
1: that terrible, terrible scene in the episode with Nick's flashbacks where they're in the limo and it's uh, Alfred's commander and a couple of other white dudes and they're like, yeah, let's call them handmaids. Let's call them of something. And it's like... We get it, you're trying to fill in some of the the sketch details about...
0: And show us ooey is important, but... Yeah,
1: it's just... Yeah. Those things are better left just to let the mind figure out. Yeah. Um, a couple other quick hit thoughts.
0: I haven't even been looking at my notes, We just got me all riled up. I know.
1: Um, so you mentioned this when I said that I was going to go back and read it. My favorite part of the book is the epilogue, the historical notes on Gilead.
0: Okay. Did Which you read is, it the first time you read the book?
1: I think so, I yeah. don't
0: think I did. I did not recall that.
1: Yeah, so basically the book and the show do diverge a lot, but they end pretty much in the same point.
0: And I was misled, because I thought a lot of reviews yeah. like, non spoilery reviews that I read of the TV show were like, they really changed the ending. Like, they added things to the ending, yeah. but the actual ending was word for word from the The actual
1: book. same line, right. Yeah. So, I think we can give spoilers, semi-spoilers now, but Offred goes into a black vehicle and we don't know she doesn't know whether she's being rescued and or, Nick says
0: trust me right, she's going off of that or
1: she's going to be executed but they don't seem to execute any handmaids no matter what they do because they have values. so she's probably not going to get killed yeah um, but yeah the end of the book has this like 15 page section called historical notes on Gilead which is written as like a professor's like a thesis. thesis speech in like 100 years after Gilead where they're looking it back on, like, we look at the Mayas and the Incas and stuff. Yeah. And go, hmm, I wonder why they well, did that. Or I was going to
0: say more like the World Wars or something. Like the Nazi Party or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but they
1: even seemed a little bit more removed. Like, they didn't seem, like, that horrified by what they were doing. They were just, like, interested in studying it. Oh, right, like but, the
0: Revolutionary War, whatever. Yeah,
1: okay. So, so yeah, that bit um, kind of details some of the more... Um, logistics of what
0: happens in the society. And, like, the interpolitical...
1: Yeah, yeah, And it kind of hints that Offred somehow made it to Canada. Maine. Uh, first Maine, actually, yeah. and wrote down this um, Underground sort Underground of road diary. State oh, House God, County. they call it the female road or something. Some terrible Yikes. word Femme that road. they... Fem road, they call it. Um, so, So, yeah, that I actually liked. I didn't think everything quite lined up in that... In that kind of dump of information. But it does give the show some some different avenues to take. At first I was like, season two, what are they going to do? But I think there's plenty of stuff they can do.
0: After watching the show, I was very skeptical of season two before I'd watched it. After watching it, I am intrigued by it because I thought some of the my favorite or the stronger parts of the TV show were the parts that they made up. Mm-hmm. Where that's a... I don't know. I think... I think the book was a really good jumping off point for the show. Yeah. But when they tried to be too faithful to, like I said before, that kind of single person limited knowledge narrator, well, right. it got a little bit dull. And I think some of the more interesting points were like the flashbacks they added when her daughter was born in the hospital and yep. the, like the crazy scene with the hospital when like the fertility crisis was just starting. Sure. That was a really strong scene. Um, and some of actually like the episode about Serena, the the wife yep. and her episode and kind of yeah. her sacrifice. I thought that was really interesting, like to add some dimension. I want to see
1: her actual backstory because she's actually a pretty major character in the book as well. And in the book, she is like some sort of re- former re- religious TV star. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, she is a really interesting character because she, like the men, helped to build this civilization where not only, you know, does she not have all the, you know, pleasures of regular modern American life, but now she's a second-class citizen as well.
0: Um, And the part, the last episode I actually kind of liked when they, like, they kind of revolted a little bit. Yeah. um, The Handmaidens did. So, like, some of those scenes that they either expanded on or just added that weren't in the book were some of the stronger... Parts of the episodes, I think,
1: right? Because the book is written completely as a first-person diary, sort of, and so the constant theme with Alfred's, uh, you know, mind, state of mind is that she doesn't know. She doesn't know what happened to her daughter. She doesn't know what happened to her husband. She doesn't know what happened to her mother. She doesn't know what happened I mean, to I forgot, Moira. They forgot
0: about her mom. Yeah, she has a bunch
1: of flashbacks. I wonder
0: if they'll say that for the second. Could be. Um.
1: And so you're getting to the last chapter, and you're realizing those four things, you're definitely not going to get all four, and then you get to the last few pages, and you're like, you're not getting three, you're not getting two, am I at least going to find out what happens to Offred? No, you get no answers in terms of character endpoints. And
0: I'm fine with that. I've come I, yeah, to love it. Works it works as a literary thing, I've come to like but an ambiguous ending. if the
1: show had done that, if Moira just disappeared after the worst scene in television history, which is Moira... And Alfred in the Arlington Tea Station saying, "I'm going to take this train to <laughs> Boston."
0: Good lord! Know, some, Arlington is
1: some, pretty much as center of Boston as you can get. Do some
0: Wikipediaing at least, like uh-huh. the, obviously the producer of that episode did not even like it wasn't even the real Arlington Station. They could have just put a different sign up. Yes, called it Central Alewife.
1: Square or Alewife. Yeah, yeah. they could have done a whole a whole chapter it on Alewife. Should have been, it been, been a word. I thought yeah. they were
0: meant to be in Harvard Square. They were meant to be in Cambridge. Right, and they kept talking
1: about Somerville where they lived. But anyways. Yeah. Okay. Glad I got that off my chest.
0: Um so do you have any other thoughts about like the show in general? I have some other like show thoughts. Um
1: I ended up liking the show overall. Definitely the second half keeps you more glued than the first half. Like you're kind of tuning into the show. Really, to see the ceremony, to see how they're going to do it, what it actually looks like, how terrifying it is. But the
0: first couple episodes seemed so long. Yeah. Like, I was like, How have we only watched like two or three of these episodes? It feels like we've been watching it for weeks. Yeah. And then the last couple, I like wanted to keep watching. Mm-hmm. So I hope that the second season can keep up with that momentum. Yeah. And, um,. I just hope they don't try to do too much more political stuff because I've said that's kind of the weak point. I hope it's more focusing on their reunion and right. what it looks like in Canada and how how that all goes down. And
1: It's a very pro-Canada show. I mean, it was filmed <laughs> in Canada and I love the scene when she's getting into the refugee camp in Canada and they're like, they really mention, they really emphasize that here's your insurance card, here's yeah. your prescription Health card, this is all yeah. free
0: up here. Um... Did you notice anything that they changed about the book that drastically stood out to you?
1: Um, I mean, obviously you get the different characters' perspectives, so you see some action from Luke and from Moira. Yeah. Things that they really twisted around, not really.
0: I, the thing that they changed the most, I thought, that is the most significant, at least, is they confirm that she's pregnant at the end.
1: In the show, Before, yes. In, in the show. Yeah.
0: And with Janine, Janelle, Janine? Which one? The one for the missing eye oh, right yeah. here. That was quite a different ending from the book as well. Yeah. So in the book, her babe, she gets taken away. I don't think you ever see her again in the book, and her baby doesn't end up being healthy mm. after everything. Um so the, that was yeah. quite different.
1: The other thing that kind of conflicts between the book and the show is that here's an example of where the show kept things too narrow and the book was actually broader. Okay. In the book, the civilization has a lot of different classes. The word econo wife comes up again and again. Yeah. And there's talk about a lot of couples are just kind of living out in this dystopia kind of on their own. Like, that's actually where Moira goes to get shuttled on the Underground Railroad thing. But in the show, it basically shows you... The upper class, the aunts, and the handmaidens.
0: Yeah, and I think in the book that's why it almost makes sense that there isn't as much, there isn't that much more resistance because if yeah. you weren't in that correct fertility yeah, category, it's a they very very do,
1: narrow group of
0: people. Like the rest of your life went on decently similar. I mean, like obviously TV wouldn't be the same when women couldn't read and stuff, but yeah. I assume that they could go on living their kind of normal Right,
1: and the other thing that keeps coming up is that uh, I don't, I'm not trying to guilt Alfred's character into anything, but she is subjected to what she's subjected to because it is her second marriage. Is it? Yes, that's the only reason she becomes a handmaid.
0: Because she was not like married in the eyes of God kind of thing?
1: Correct. So that's why she and Luke attempt to escape because they're both or actually, right—it's her first marriage, but because she married someone who was previously married, she is a, knocked down a rung, and then she's given options of handmade colonies or something else. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's not a legitimate marriage, and the eyes of the church. Right. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. yeah they don't go into that. At so there all are
1: in some the specific rules, which yeah, it just makes the classes very narrow, and in in the show, it makes it seem like the handmaids are a giant group in every single city. And there's a bunch of aunts floating around, which the book or the show never explains how an aunt becomes an aunt or why they're quite so respected. But you get Miss Patty from um, from The Leftovers doing the yeah. same exact performance, but it's still quite terrifying.
0: Yeah, same character, but she smokes less and talks more. Yes.
1: That was funny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks. That was off the cuff. Nice. Um, it is interesting, though, to look at that dynamic of how the other women are being... Um, oppressed almost as much aside from not being raped. Yes. And they wield that little tiny bit of power that they have till the sun sets. Yeah. Like, that is all they have. And instead of kind of being in solidarity with it, they are like, we are going to hold on to this because we have this little amount of power over you and that's all we have. We have And nothing.
1: even even the Marthas, like the Marthas and the Handmaids should be like best friends. Like they're in it together but they don't even get along because there's just such division between everyone feeling so angry about the situation they're in that they'll take it out on anyone they can.
0: Yeah, and that's how it's so success- successful as a regime kind right. of is that nobody is willing to band together with a different group because they're just so focused on how tough their situation is. Yeah. But I think that is also very realistic as well i mean i think that's a lot of the reason that you have like racism and xenophobia and things like that sure. is that people if even if they don't have very much they can always say well so and so has it worse yeah and i think the show does a or the this story in general does a good job of portraying that of that same type of i might not have a lot of power but i have more power than you
1: yeah so, as this discussion has proved, I think it's definitely a great, like, a book club type of pick. Because, um, yeah, I I don't think you can read it without, you know, Reading bursting it. to having a discussion about it. But for me, it's just not one of my favorite books as a book.
0: For me, the on the reread, I I still think it's one of the best books that I've read. I respect that. And I, I do think that there's a little not even a little, a decent amount of of context and of of range of emotions that you're just not going to feel if you're not a woman. Okay. Because I think, especially with the current administration, rereading it again since sure. T-Word got elected is just terrifying. I literally had to put the book down a few times and, mm-hmm. like, walk away from it because I was having such a reaction to, like, oh, my God, this it sounds like today. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think some of that kind of stuff, I don't know if it's just because my – imagination runs away with me sometimes or if all women have this kind of feeling about it but yeah it's just very scary and i think Atwood does a very good job of making it seem not that far-fetched okay i respect that do okay we, do we want to continue the depressing um post-apocalyptic discussion let's
1: do it we got a quick extra segment
0: what's our uh video game intro are you a witcher huh? oh yeah <laughs> are you a witcher huh? Um, so, we've talked about Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt, before. Yep. We made We still gotta
1: go back and play the complete edition. You
0: know that I will wander all fucking day. Yep. Um, we made the mistake, perhaps, of playing one of the better video games first and going back to this game.
1: Yeah, so let me first set the stage for you, honey. Okay. So the game we're talking about is The Last of Us, which is a post-apocalyptic... I'm trying to think of the genre that the video game... It's a... It's not a first-person shooter. I guess it's a... It's like an adventure story game. It's linear in the sense that, Zombies. right? It's zombie based It's linear in the sense that you have to proceed from A to B. To from C3. A to B, but you can wander in between. But it's definitely not an open world like Witcher or the game we started this week, which was Horizon Zero Dawn. Now, The Last of Us is actually a PS3 game, which is the important thing to call out. So it's like five years old now. Okay. So we got the remastered edition for PS4. Because I never played it on PS3.
0: I still thought it was the one with, um...
1: Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Um, so anyways, one? Beyond, I think. Okay. So anyways, it was Game of the Year, you know, a while back. So everyone considered it to be like one of the best games on the PS3 well, ever. one of the
0: ones that we got right before we went to Australia yeah, and then and got I sold the it system. Off, yeah. So four years ago, it would have maybe been better.
1: Right. So we have to think about that to some degree in context. Um... But for me, yeah, not one of my favorite games that I've played, and part of it goes to the gameplay that I was talking about. I I struggle with open worlds to a degree for sure because I don't love well, to you're very task gather task focused, yeah.
0: and I am just like, oh, look at that over there, and I like to wander away, right, and we don't team up very well sometimes for yeah. that reason.
1: But I do enjoy the security of an open world where I can go over here go ride my horse my GTA or my or my or just run off in Witcher and do something over there and I can come back and that quest will be there and when I click X I will start that quest and I, it will tell you, me what to do
0: you hated that about the um Pirates. Pirates, um, yeah. Assassin's Creed. Because I was like, oh look, a buried treasure on this map. And you would be like, we're sailing to meet the lesbian pirate right now.
1: Well, yes. If there's a large travel distance between the two points, then yeah, I'd like to take the most direct path. I admit it. But Last of Us I struggle with even more because you knew vaguely based on the story of what they were trying to get to... And, and the game sort of guided you towards ter- certain you know directions or certain artifacts. But in between, you could get lost for 30 minutes.
0: You just don't have the sense or instinct for the type uh, of video game. I guess not. Because I am not the best marksman. No. Shall we say? No.
1: Well said. <laughs> um, or as Aaron Burr would say... Uh, I'm a terrible shot. <sighs> I just went up to it. Hamilton I was trying to Rhodes. think of the
0: line about the glasses. Hamilton was wearing his glasses. Um, anyway, my soldier to tell you I'm a terrible shot. Terrible shot. So I'm not the best shot. Um, so I struggled, especially with like any sort of far away snipery thing. If it's like sawed off shotgun, they're coming at me. Sure. I can do that. Like close range (laughs) shots. Right. Um, I am not the best marksman. So, and the different villains and stuff in this one, if you call them villains, they were different types of bad guys, different types of bad guys. I get scared easily watching, like, Zombieland. Never yeah. mind.
1: No, there was a horror element to this game. In terms of the... But
0: I didn't finish my statement. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, I thought it was quite ingenious, the way that they makes it seem like it's an open world play but they gently guide you to where you're supposed to be going i yeah. thought it worked for me it did get a little bit repetitive like once like after a while you were like okay there's go gonna find be something, the ladder there's gonna be something blocking the stairway if i go up it and that's yeah. gonna tell me that I, or that elevator isn't gonna work or whatever so yeah. it did get a little bit repetitive you could tell they were a little bit if you ask me a bit a little bit lazy about making new um buildings and stuff because yeah. once Once you've been playing for a while, all the buildings, the layouts and stuff start to look exactly the same. Not that every building in the world is vastly different, but like the same blocking stairway things and stuff like that. But I, it actually worked for me to make it feel a little bit more open without having an arrow pointing you to where you're going. But I still felt like for the most part, with a few exceptions, I was able to figure out where they wanted me to go.
1: Yeah. I can admire the concept of it just when I was actually sitting down and playing it. I was like, ugh, if I'm going the wrong way, I'm going to be pissed. Real quick about, like, the shooting system and things. You have to be ready to die in this game quite a, a lot. lot. Now, one of the things I liked most about Witcher was that you really shouldn't ever have died. Like, if you took a few hits, you would hurt your health would go down and you'd be in peril. And you'd have to find a way to get out of the battle... And but get you could, your health like, back up.
0: That was what I liked about it too, was that you could run away and yeah. restart that battle, like restart an interaction, which and is so, good
1: for me. Yeah, our character in Witcher probably only died a half dozen times total and you would no, load back die more than that. Well, you would get us stuck in in pits of despair.
0: Underneath a cart or on a horse. Yes.
1: But anyways, yeah, it was much more rare in this game in that game and you would, you know, reload an old save and you'd be back and you'd be fine. In this one, yeah, there were certain levels where I died thirty times. Just and because if a zombie came at you from the wrong angle and you didn't click shiv at the right second, you're,
0: you're toast. Yeah, and the um, saving was just awful. <sighs> that one time when we said restart encounter, yep. and then you went back like an hour of gameplay.
1: Right, but because it was a similar locale, it was like nearby. So yeah, it, would, it, it had an auto-save function, but... Sometimes it would preserve the weapons and tools you had, and sometimes it would disappear. Yeah, and it didn't seem to be
0: in any discernible rules about that. No. Um... I, this is another one that the developer has obviously never been to Boston yeah like speaking of Handmaid's Tale like throwing Correct. Arlington in this was we'll just put similar.
1: orange signs up on a building and call it a T-stop it was like
0: that's the capital and I was like if you squinted maybe it could look like a fuzzy picture of the Boston the Massachusetts capital but mm. it almost seemed like someone who had been to Boston a few times described Boston to a developer, yeah. who then sketched what they thought, who then gave it to the actual programmer.
1: Correct. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so it was the idea of Boston, the concept of Boston. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, in addition to like the actual buildings and scenery getting repetitive, some of the story, like the um, challenges, got repetitive too. Oh, yeah. Like way too much hinged on like her not being able to swim. Yes. Just fucking take a few minutes in a lake and teach her how to swim. Yeah. Like, like there was some downtime. Just teach her how to swim. Definitely. Um,
1: Stop reading the fucking comics and go swim. I know. Yeah, a swim lesson. Um,
0: I liked that there was a flashlight. Being as someone who's yeah. afraid of the dark, I thought that was a nice touch.
1: And you had to shake the controller in order to yeah. re up the batteries. Um,
0: I did find it too scary for me, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was a setting at the beginning you could choose: gore, heavy, or light.
0: It wasn't even the gore necessarily, although like some of the times, like getting your head eaten, was like a yeah. little bit graphic for me. But uh just there's a lot of like jump scares and scary yeah. looking like scary looking zombies. You and would stuff. not
1: do well with an actual horror game like Silent Hill or something.
0: Did you think I would ever? No,
1: I'm just I can't even imagine it.
0: No, it would not go well. No. Um I also had a serious problem with some of the end levels when they keep trying to up the Um, So you get something new and different to play with. Mm -hmm. I was very, very uncomfortable with the machine gun level because it was literally like two days after the Parkland High School shooting that we were trying to play it. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. It was
1: similar to when you were playing Call of Duty and you struggled with the doggies.
0: Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I really had like a very. Yeah emotional reaction to it. That's and why like all
1: games should be bow and arrow because then you're just like, oh, I love the bone and bow and arrow.
0: And I, yeah, you know, I have a dream to become like ain't, proficient at the bow and arrow. And you
1: can, it's called archery if you're proficient at it.
0: Thanks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Any other notes on um, this?
0: I just think that a lot of it hinged on you caring about it as like a movie almost, like as like yes. a plot line. And I did not care that much about the plot. Like they seem to really want to have you watch all these cutscenes scenes and, and care about what's going to happen to them in the end. And I was just kind of like, are we at the end of this game yet? Yeah, that's how
1: I remember the game being sold is that, yeah, you're not going to know what's a cutscene and what's action. And yeah, it's going to play out like a movie, which maybe five years ago, maybe it did really grab people like that. But for me, I'm not even a fan of the zombie culture, so it's not like I've been burnt out on it. But I was just like, yeah, let me guess. She's immune to it. And okay, what are we going to do to her? And oh, this person's going to die. It just wasn't... And I mean,
0: it was. There were some twists at the end. like yeah. It wasn't straightforward, and it was a bit of a different ending than you might have expected from a different similar type story or video game. Yeah. But by that point, I didn't care. By that point, I was a little bit sick of the same old um, challenges. Find the ladder, find the rope, mm-hmm. whatever. I was like a little bit sick of the different types of zombies and then you'd have to your biggest complaint was that you mostly ended up fighting the later levels finding other people
1: yeah like i just wanted to be like can we have a conversation with one of these groups like i know when you're in that type of world and you're just you have to defend against everything but yeah the whole like last five sets or stuff were were mainly human-based Areas.
0: I mean, to be fair, the second of the two times that they tried to befriend someone, they were cannibals and tried to eat her. That
1: is true. That is true.
0: <laughs> but. Touche. Um, and I wish there was more of playing with the girl. Why? Have I was going to gonna you say play you, play you wanted
1: more cannibalism. You know, why
0: couldn't we play as the girl more?
1: Yeah. I, I wish the last it, level... It waited a long time before it let you...
0: And then only let you do it once, really.
1: Yeah. How about a two-player? It should have been a co-op it game. It should have been
0: a co-op game. I would have yeah. been so good as the girl who's not so great at shooting. Because
1: you know what? That was one of the things that I struggled with the most in terms of the navigating the worlds, is that... You always
0: just shoot the other person. <laughs> you did a lot of friendly fire. On
1: occasion. But it was always that. I was... I'm always concerned that the other people are either getting too far ahead of me or too far behind.
0: And there are some levels where you do have to worry about them being, yes. eaten and some of them that you don't, and it wasn't Correct. very
1: clear. And yeah, I'm just that loyal of a person that I don't want to run ahead of someone or let them run ahead. And in this game, it tried You're to be smart. Loyal. Yeah, it tried to be smart, and they would stay close You know, when they were engaged in dialogue, and when the next action would come up, they would wait for you. But I was constantly concerned with, okay, he went that direction. Where am I going? Oh my gosh, just we just came from that way. too
0: much of Hufflepuffs for this type of game. Okay. We care about too many people. Okay, Witcher! <laughs> so, we have just started playing, as you mentioned, the Horizon Zero Dawn. So yes. that'll be our next video game probably another three months which from so now. Which so far
1: is w- Woman Witcher.
0: Yes, which I'm okay with, I yep. think. Um, but also with, like, robots. Woman Witcher Star Wars.
1: Yes, all right, we gotta do lightning round coming up. Oh gosh, I have a lot
0: of upcoming though.
1: But. I've got four.
0: Um, I have two that relate to Black Panther. Okay. First one, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Our favorite hottie from Black sexy, Panther, sexy sex idol. Um, Fahrenheit four fifty one. Did you watch the trailer? No. <laughs> Saw the headline, didn't click it. Yes. Um, I don't really like Fahrenheit four fifty one. Yeah, In I had book.
1: a lot of thoughts about it. I think it was probably on the podcast at some point, but I read it a year ago and I had a lot of thoughts. I forget them all on now. our podcast. It might have been. We're getting close to our one year anniversary.
0: We are. Yeah. Um. Well, maybe we'll have to watch that and do a double feature for that one as well. But okay. anyways, I like Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um. There is going to be a movie or miniseries. I don't remember about the real life Dora Milaje. So Dora the, the Explorer. No. The woman warriors from Black Panther, the Dora Milaje. Oh, okay. They're inspired by real life, like, Amazonian warriors or African warriors. They did remind me
1: when they did that one jump move of uh, Wonder Woman's people.
0: So, um, and it is going to be Lupita Mm Nyong'o and uh, Viola Davis. Okay. So that will be interesting. Okay. Um, Another inspiring black woman. My probably biggest inspiration slash like, want to be mentor. Oprah. Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. Um, she's, she's your Oprah. Out with, she is my Oprah. That's a good yeah, way of huh? putting it. Um, memoir. She's coming out with a memoir. Yeah,
1: a a very intimate or something like, was yeah, the word. Like yeah,
0: personal, intimate, tell-all mm. memoir. He tasted of Becoming. chocolate. <laughs> so I'm very excited for that. Okay. Um, do you want to do a couple? Now I have like a Christmas gift ones. to get you. Yeah.
1: Um... Billy Eichner, first ever stand-up special.
0: Really? Yep. Probably okay. Netflix,
1: so we'll have to sign up. I saw up.
0: that he was on the Joel McHale, not the soup show, whatever. Yeah. The soup, but not the soup.
1: Yeah. Talking with Joel McHale with Joel McHale or something like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, next is... Uh,
0: <laughs> Top fish on a hot day.
1: Snowpiercer a movie that i wanted to love but also wanted to hate because it kind of stole stuff from my hotel apocalypse series and mm-hmm. when i say kind of stole i mean we Pretty both used stole. similar themes they didn't actually steal it it had they been talked be about done. as a tv series and apparently it went off the rails i just came <laughs> over that one cuz it takes place on a train oh my gosh. <laughs> um but the orphan black showrunner has taken it over
0: Ooh, so okay intrigued. okay, okay.
1: Next is um, a lot of talk. This curling team is getting like a a good 15 days of fame. They
0: were on the hockey game last night. Yeah, it was like a winter
1: classic or something was going on. Anyways, so they're getting their money's worth. And now people are like really intrigued about who would play each of these kind of funny looking curlers in the biopic of it. And so the guy from uh, Matt Hamilton, the guy from Minnesota who did terribly with his with the dash. yeah did terribly in the the doubles the um mixed singles or whatever they called it but was on the winning team for the men's curling. Um he originally wanted um Danny McBride to play him but Nick Offerman now on Twitter has said that yeah. he's on board.
0: I'm a little bit over Danny McBride so I'd rather have Nick Offerman oh, yeah. playing.
1: And my last one you haven't mentioned this yet or is this your book one Leah on the Offbeat?
0: No, I have no idea what that is.
1: Oh, oh my god. What? The author of Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda is trying to cash in.
0: What do you mean?
1: An alternate point of view book. Oh,
0: I'm skeptical though. This
1: is, Leah was one of the friends. Yeah. This is the story from her perspective coming soon.
0: Okay. I, I am
1: ready to sell out in every way possible with book digits, with this podcast, with my own writing. Are we going to so talk about how we don't... almost
0: lost book digits No.
1: Okay. So I am I am actually happy for the author if she's going to make a killing. But she's already got a movie coming, so you already sold out to some degree. You cashed in that way. I won't I say sold out, but...
0: I will be cautiously not pessimistic about it. Because I really did like Simon vs. the Sapian Agenda. So yeah. if it's more of the same with the writing style and the characters, then I, I may, may be intrigued. Okay. We'll see. Um... I have a couple book ones as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the ones that I keep telling you to read, I, what am I going to give you a new list of recommendations? I Pretty have soon. a list going on Pretty for soon. you. My to-read
1: list is down to nine books. Oh my
0: gosh, that's pathetic. Um, it's
1: terrific. It's liberating.
0: No, it's not. You have nothing to look forward to. <laughs> I have nine books like in, in my current view radar living room that I need to read. <laughs> um, Obsidio. Is the newest one coming out of the Illuminae and Gemina, Gemina yeah. books? Okay, the Illumina Files trilogy. Yep, the third book is coming out mm-hmm. um, by Amy Kaufman and Jay.
1: You love your joint something. joint authors,
0: Christoph. Jay Christoph. Um, so the third one's coming out of that. Hmm. Um, and the second one ended pretty interestingly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, cliffhanger,
0: kind of. I don't want to say it was a cliffhanger, but like a lot of things came together, and it kind of threw down the gauntlet a little bit. Mm-hmm. Between some of the antagonists and the protagonists. So um, I'm interested for that. And Avatar The Last Airbender.
1: Is what? Going to happen Going
0: to have a comic series that takes off after the TV show ends. Mm -hmm. After the TV show ended, Mm -hmm. timeline wise. But before Legends of Korra. So there's going to be... It
1: wasn't a comic to start?
0: I don't think so. I think hmm. it was always a TV. Sh- or it was originally a TV show, but there is going to be like a kind of in between fill in the gaps comic series between Avatar: Less Airbender and Legends of Korra.
1: Okay, I look forward to adding that to my- the list of comics I'll never read because I don't okay. read comics.
0: Sounds good. <laughs> um, the only one I read is Fence, and the fourth one should be coming out soon.
1: Mm-hmm. Our outro <laughs> music is about to play automatically. It's like the so. Oscars—we're
0: getting played off yeah. of our own speech here. So <gasps> we'll just
1: played a little. <laughs> good day. Okay, anyways, you can wrap up.
0: That's it. That's all, yeah. That's got. good? That's oh, it. Good
1: timing. Um, so, yeah, we are, I'll just emphasize again, we are more than happy to sell out in any way possible if you want to sponsor this, sponsor Book Digits, sponsor our fledgling writing careers. Just straight
0: up pay us on Venmo for, sure. for how much we entertain you every week. <laughs> we will take your money. Yeah. Um, but even if we don't have your money we'll take your reviews we'll take your listens and your downloads. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for following along with us for thirty six weeks that's crazy Amazing. um so hope you have the best week and we'll see you next time. see ya you gotta get, down when to get down.
1: well now get down get down down down
0: maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing get down get down get down. Get down, get down, get down.